In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The picture of the Magi worshiping the Christ child is so timeless that they even find themselves in our nativity sets, in pictures and all of the, even down here underneath our tree, despite the fact that the events that we read about in our gospel reading for this evening are probably a few years removed from the actual events of Christ's birth that we read about in Matthew 1 or or Luke chapter 2. Some liturgical sticklers, I actually will not include myself in that crowd this evening, won't even add their wise men into the manger scene until Epiphany. We've actually had this discussion in our own house. But it seems to me that it is fitting that they be included right away because of the theological reality that they represent. And that theological reality, dear saints, is, I think, lost on us to a certain degree. I want you to listen very carefully to these words of St. Paul from our epistle reading. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. This is something that I think that we take for granted. That we, as Gentiles, are members of the same body, the same organic whole that is the body of Christ, as the faithful Hebrews who confess Christ as their Lord and Savior, who go back all the way to the beginning of the Old Testament. We take it for granted because when we look around us, Well, we don't see very many Hebrew people among us. In fact, I'm willing to wager that very few of us actually know any descendants of Abraham, real Hebrew people according to the flesh. That is, those that are Christians anyway. But here's the point. I think that our nativity sets, when they include the Magi, are trying to tell us this. That the Gentiles, those of us who are baptized into the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who are gathered into his church, the Gentiles, right alongside the Magi, have every right to be at the Lord's manger. And yet, St. Paul characterizes this rightly. That is is a mystery that is not known to generations before Christ and the giving of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Consider that in the Old Testament, there were two kinds of people. There were Jews and there were Gentiles. The Jews were marked by the covenant of circumcision, as we heard about last Sunday. And any that were to be considered the people of God were to become circumcised and made part of the covenant people. But if you weren't circumcised, God himself 
says to Abraham, any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. But it was also more than just circumcision. It was about physical descent for the Hebrew people, who your family was actually connected to. If you've spent very much time reading large portions of the Old Testament, you've no doubt run into one of those dreaded genealogies. One of the reasons that they are there is to track the promise of the Savior given first to Adam and Eve and passed from generation to generation. But you also don't have to go very far to see that that promise narrows down rather quickly to a specific line and oftentimes to the exclusion of other lines. For instance, Seth, the third son of Adam and Eve, is the one through whom it is said the Savior would come. His line is the only one that remains through the flood. Everyone else is wiped out. After the flood, Noah's son Shem is given the blessing that carries with it the promise of the forthcoming Savior, but his brother Ham is, or his, well, rather his nephew Ham, or yeah, it is his brother Ham, is cursed and is given no part in that promise. But to make things worse, Ham's line would eventually be completely wiped out when the people of Israel eventually entered into the promised land. We can certainly find other stories like this in the Old Testament, but I think this suffices. The better that we know this history, though, the more we can understand the situation on the ground in the New Testament. For instance, this is why John the Baptizer, when he pops onto the scene in the early parts of the Gospels, says to the Jews who come to him, Do not presume to say to yourselves that we have Abraham as our father. To be descended from Abraham was to be in the covenant people of God. This is why Jesus tells the disciples the very first time that he sends them out to go only into the houses of the people of Israel. This is why Jesus interacts with the Canaanite woman, the Syrophoenician woman that we hear about every year in Lent, the way he does. She is a descendant of Noah's cursed son, Ham, after all. That's why when Jesus teaches about excommunication, he says to treat those folks as Gentiles and tax collectors. That is... To be a Gentile is to be on the outside of the people of God. This is why the Jews refused to enter into Pilate's headquarters when they brought Jesus to him for trial, because to mix with the Gentiles right before the Passover would make them unclean and they couldn't keep the festival. But what really strikes me is that even after Pentecost, after their minds are open and they understand the scriptures, the spread of the saving death and resurrection for sinners begins in earnest, but the initial impulse is that this is to exclude the Gentiles, but only include them if they first became circumcised to become the covenant people of God, to become Jews first. 
It was not until later when St. Paul uh, is sent to the Gentiles and, and Peter is spoken to by God in a vision that the full inclusion of the Gentiles actually becomes a reality. It becomes clear, finally, once and for all, to the apostles, to Jesus' own men. Now, I don't say any of that to frighten you, but I think it's important for us to understand what our standing as Gentiles really is. We are not the descendants of Abraham. Our family trees would not commingle with the likes of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, David, and those listed in the genealogy in Matthew's gospel. We really are outsiders who are looking in at a religion that does not appear to be for us. And yet, St. Paul says that this is the plan. This is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God. The eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus the Lord. The fact that this was hidden for ages in God and is his eternal purpose means that it was always the plan. It was always God's intention for Jesus not to just be the Savior of the Jews, but for Jesus to be the Savior of all mankind. As St. Paul writes in Romans chapter 1, the I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for the Jew first, but also for the Greek, for the Gentile. So here are some examples of how God hinted at this mystery in the Old Testament. It will be tempting to say that this was so obvious that we are smarter than those who came before us because we can definitely see this mystery revealed. But instead, I want you to try to put yourself in the mindset of those who lived in the years of Christ, the ages even before him. For today, we have the benefit of the full revelation that they did not have. So, when Abraham is first called and set apart by God, set apart by God, the Lord said to him, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all of the families of the earth will be blessed. As I was thinking about these words, it dawned on me that there is a clear connection here between this promise given to Abraham way back in Genesis 12 and Jesus' mandate in Matthew 28 after his death and resurrection to make disciples of all nations. Or consider our Old Testament reading for tonight. The whole thing is about Gentiles coming to God. Isaiah says, Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Isaiah even calls these Gentile foreigners the sons and daughters of God. Consider the words of St. Simeon that he taught us to sing in Luke 2 that we will sing later this evening when he held the Christ child for the very first time in his hands. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared in the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles. And the glory of your people Israel. The salvation of God was prepared 
before the face of all people. And Christ Jesus is the light to show us that way of salvation. That we are fellow heirs and members of the same body and partakers of the same Christ Jesus truly is stunning. He was there all along, hidden in plain sight, which is how God so often works. We have been grafted into this family tree by the grace of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Yes, dear saints, the magi, the wise men before there at the cradle of our Lord Jesus Christ, they are there because those Gentile magi bring us along with them to worship Christ who is our Lord and our God. And in that Christ Jesus, even as outsiders, we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. This means that we are not second-class citizens. You have been made the children of God by his grace that was given to you when he claimed you to be members of his family in the waters of your baptism. This means that we can sing, we can pray, and approach him at his altar with confidence, knowing that the temple curtain has been torn into from top to bottom by the one Jesus Christ who has broken down every barrier that separates us from God and from one another. We now have access to the throne of God, the true Ark of the Covenant, Christ Jesus, who is our mercy seat and our propitiation before God. As St. Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. And if you are heirs according to the promise, everything that is God's that he promised to Abraham, that's also yours. The Old Testament is not just the story of people living in Israel today. It is the church's story. It is your story. From Genesis to Malachi, from Matthew to Revelation, the whole story is yours by the grace of God, who has given you access to himself by faith in the one whom the Magi have taught us to worship. In Jesus' name. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.